welcome back to the Middlemen podcast, taking you ringside, pitch side, and as always, sharing a unique journalistic perspective on sport. I'm Noah Abrahams, joined by Max Taylor, and this week we came through the Euros, and we've got a very special guest. Max, I'm going to let you do the honours. Who is it? Who's joining us this week on the poddy? Yeah, well, as Noah said, guys, we are back, bigger and better, and that goes for the guests as well. Big phrase, Fraser Clark, one of Team GB's finest, an amateur veteran in the game who's just qualified for the Tokyo 2020 Olymp well, 2021 Olympics it'll be now. But he's he's right in the thick of it. Uh, he's at a career high and we were very, very lucky to uh, get to speak to him. Here's what he had to say this week. Fraser, thank you so much for joining us on the Middlemen podcast. It's a real honour to have you and you are an inspiration to so many people. 17 years ago, you stepped into the ring for the first time and the next step of your journey is the Tokyo Olympics. It's quite incredible. You know what? Like Things take time, don't they? Do you know what I mean? I'm not saying 17, everything takes 17 years, but yeah, it's a, it's a bit incredible. It's, it's for, even for me, you know, when I sit and do think about it, not that I get much chance to think about it, but when I do actually sit back, it is amazing, you know, like for, for someone, from a little, for a little fat kid from a small town to be going to the Tokyo Olympics, if you know, I don't very often pat myself on the back, but I must say for a second I did, you know, give myself a little bit of a well done. Has it has it hit home yet that you're going to Tokyo? Um yeah and no, because this was this has been the plan for so long. So it's like, oh, you've just done what you set out to do, really. But it is enormous. You know, like when I say like when I think about where I come from and my beginnings and stuff like that, it is it is massive because there's not everyone, like I always say to everyone, anyone can become a professional boxer. Anyone can 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 do this, do that. But there's only a select few people that can ever call themselves Olympians. And, and I'm going to be one of them now. So that, that makes me very proud. You speak about your background. And I, I know who your biggest fans are. And you've made it very clear on social media that your grandparents are your biggest fans. And uh, it is a special relationship with grandparents. How did they react? And how did your family react to so you qualifying to go to the Olympic Games? Yeah, everyone was over the moon, you know. You know, my grandparents, you know, they they, they said a few things to me in the build-up, like, probably over the last year, and it's really hit home, like, you know, they're, they're not young anymore. Um, and my grand's 82, my, my granddad's 84, I think, or I might have that wrong even, that's how bad I am. But, um, yeah, you know, they said, they, they just hope that they're here to see me at the Olympics, and you know that that when they say things like that, honestly, I'm I'm an emotional guy. When especially when it comes to my grandparents, because I love them dearly. So, um, you know, just to make them make that come true for them, and you know, they get to see that um, and see me qualify, it meant a lot to me, you know, real lot. But then my whole family, you know, like I've got like a newborn son, uh, my missus, and my little daughter. You know, I don't quite think my my daughter knows what's going on yet because just anyone to her but you know I'm proud that one day she understands we're going to the Olympics and like I say my, my little son here as well he's only he's only four weeks old so one day he'll be able to tell my daddy was an Olympian and you know that I hope it gives them some pride you know what I mean it gives me a little bit of pride I'm sure it will give them pride and inspiration and congratulations as well on uh, the newborn thank you are you hoping by the time they grow up Fraser that uh, you, you can say that Daddy's a world champion in the in the pro game this time. You, you know, not just made it to the amateur heights, but also to the pro ones as well. Hundred percent. That's the plan. You know, um, what, pro boxing is something that you know. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pro boxing fan, and I, I love the sport of boxing. And 
I can't say when I first started watching boxing, I can't say, oh my God, I wanted to go to the Olympics. So I didn't. The first first kind of boxing I seen was like Lennox Lewis, Mike Tyson, stuff like that. So, you know, they were world champions and I wanted to be one of them. It's only then, obviously, the more you get into boxing, the more you start learning about the Olympics and stuff. And then after that, I've seen Amir Khan go to the Olympics and, and he was just a young kid. So I thought, you know what, like, I, I'd, I'd love to go to the Olympics, definitely. But 100%, you know, my, my goal is to be a world champion and for these kids to grow up and say, you know, their, dad, their daddy was a world champion and hopefully secure their future as doing that. Do you know what I mean? That's that's a massive, like, you know, it's a big goal for me, really. Yeah, with uh, with this year's Olympics, it's probably, you know, one of the most uh, different kind of tournaments in the fact that it's been postponed by a year and there's a lot of different uh, variables going into this one. So does that make you a bit more nervous? Does that change anything uh, in the plan, in the build-up for you? No, not really. Um, the Olympics is the Olympics. Like I say, whether it was in Tokyo or or in a gym somewhere in England, the, tour, the actual boxing tournament, as long as there's a ring, boxing is boxing for me. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm quite glad it's in Tokyo, somewhere I've always wanted to go. But obviously with the coronavirus and everything, there will be a lot of restrictions, uh, you know, so restrictions. So I feel like it might be a bit watered down, but I've got every faith in, you know, the people that that are in charge, you know, they'll they'll do whatever they can to make it the best spectacle it can be. Um, like I said, I've been to I've been to London, I went to London, I went to Rio, so I've seen how good the Olympics is. Do you know what I mean? I've seen the atmospheres and stuff like that, and um, I'm sure you know the people that are involved won't let won't let that die because of the coronavirus. You know what I mean? We're trying to come out the other side of it now, so I feel like we have a bit of a responsibility to you know to lift the world, you know, in sporting terms because I feel like sport does do that. So. Um, hopefully it won't be as diluted as, as a lot of people think it might be. What are your aims? I'm, I'm guessing it's to bring a gold medal back to South Derbyshire, back to Burton. 100%. That, you know, if, if I'm not going there looking to get a gold medal, then, then there's no point in me going at all, to be honest. It's the same as everyone in every sport. That's what you go for. You know, you, as athletes and sports people, you know, we like to win. We're, we're all winners. You know, I, I'm fully aware of the task at hand and it's not going to be an easy one, but I've got this far. What? Why? Why not me? Why not me go and win the gold medal? Do you know what I mean? So that that's my aim, and and I'll be given everything. You know, anyone that knows me and watches me box and the way I box, sometimes it's not pretty. I might not be the most skillful guy in the world, but one thing that, that they know that I've got is a lot of heart and a lot of passion, and I will give everything, every ounce of me. And I think that comes down to where I'm from. That you know, my family, the people, the people that I know the way I've been brought up, um, if I give everything, especially in a fight, you know, that, that's, that's my element. Um, that's where I feel most comfortable is is having someone in front of me and having a fight. So um, I will give everything, 100%. You also feel most comfortable watching Only Fools and Horses. Is that right as well? Oh, come on. <laughs> you, you've done your research, haven't you? Yeah, that's my uh, that's my favourite pastime um, since, I was, since, I was, since I was a young lad, to be honest, and... You know that that won't that won't change. Um, it's got me through. It's got me through a lot, a lot of years, a lot, a lot of time away from home. Only falls and horses has got me through some difficult times. Well, let's hope there's a Japanese version in Tokyo. And back back to the boxing though. And AJ, obviously, you know him well, and he's a massive household name. He's gone through this journey, this Olympic journey. How in, inspirational was someone like Anthony Joshua to you? And what have you made of his his story? Yeah, you know, Big Josh. He's he's been um, he's been a, a leader, especially for someone like myself. You know, not just not just someone I look up to. You know, I'm I'm lucky enough to call him a friend. So 
you know, and he is he is the epitome of you know a, a friend and a role model because, you know, he he tries to advise me, he gives me time, and his journey. If you could have a journey, you'd want it to go how his has gone because it's been quite a, quite the fairy tale. You know, it's, it's had everything. It's had the ups, it's had the downs, but you know, he, the, the way that he came through the ranks and then he just went from strength to strength to strength. I see, I seen that rise. I seen him go from. I seen him go from one of my teammates to a global superstar over a few years. Do you know what I mean? I seen that happen, um, and it's quite amazing. Um, but not just obviously the superstardom isn't the reason he did it. You know, he's a, he's a competitor and he likes to be successful. So he was challenging himself and challenging himself, and he kept knocking these obstacles out of the way and, and reaching his goals. And and ultimately, that's what I want to do. That's what all the lads on the squad want to do, and the ladies. Looking at your uh, other team, Fraser, we had, uh, as we said to you off air, we had Galal on before, Galal Yafai, um, as you know, another good friend of yours, I assume. And he was uh, coming up with a few stories about his other teammates as well. Uh, Josh Boatsy in particular saying that he snores uh, during camp because they, they bunk up a lot and, and they're good roommates. So is there any, uh, any stories that you've got of your teammates that you can, uh, you can give us? Any, any funny memories you've had in camp with a few of them? Oh, I've got so many, so so many. You put me on the spot, but like, like I say, I, I I am the king of of that squad, so I, I don't bunk up. I don't bunk up with anyone. I have the uh, I have the single room. Do you know what I mean? I don't I don't share. I have the single room with a double bed. Them them guys have the single beds in the in the in a shared room. Um, but yeah, Galal, um, I got some stuff. Galal, yeah, Galal is actually he's quite a unique person. He's the only person I know who has ate the same meal. Every day for the last, how long have you been on the squad, Galal? Six years. What meal? Every single, every single night. I can tell you now. He has. We go to Tesco. He'd have a seasoned chicken breast, <laughs> a packet rice, half an avocado, a big dollop of mayo, and a big dollop of sweet chili sauce without fail. <laughs> now that's that's about that's about. There's a few more. I can't really go into detail, you know, but. Yeah, he's a he's a funny guy, and you know he's he's one of my best friends on the squad, definitely. Well, if you want if you want to die like Galal your thighs, now you know how to get it. Um, yeah, he's one of your teammates, and like you said, AJ, you watched him grow and and go through the ranks. And and on Anthony Joshua, if we talk wider boxing, there's this whole whole arbitration that that stopped the AJ Fury fight. How frustrating was it for you, as I'm guessing an AJ fan? And when the fight does eventually go ahead, who do you see coming out on top? It wasn't. It wasn't frustrating for me. I think the frustrating thing for me was that I could I could see the disappointment in the whole um, AJ team. They were they was gutted. Do you know what I mean? They put a lot of time and effort into that, and I, I genuinely believe he really wanted the fight. He felt ready. It was the time, and it didn't come across. And you know, as, as a friend, I was gutted for him more than anything. Um, he wanted that fight. He wants. He wants. He wants the unit. He wants the unify. He wants to be the man. Do you know what I mean? The number one. And I can't blame him. Um, so I, I was a bit upset because I'm like any other boxing fan. I wanted to see it, but when it does happen, I, I really truly do believe AJ wins the fight. I'm a massive Tyson Fury fan. Don't get me wrong, and I think he's great. But for me, I, I I don't see. I think AJ has the tools to beat him. People say, "Oh, how do you do that?" Because he's he's, he's never lost. But I feel like if anyone anyone can find a way, Joshua will find a way. Yeah, and that's the um, the thing, especially as you said, 
like any boxing fan, I, I know me know in a, a few episodes back, you know, displayed our disappointment for that fight not going through and the kind of recurring topic of uh, politics making its way into pro boxing, um, you know, and, and that happens quite a lot as we see. Does that kind of put you off to a degree? Like not turning pro, because obviously that's, that's what you want to do, but does that kind of make you scared that, you know, in, in some years down the line, you might have an undisputed heavyweight title fight lined up and just something like that, like one one click of the finger and, and it might change it all up. Do you have like any apprehension with that yourself? I think I do I do a little bit. Yeah, and people, I often, if you look on my Twitter, I often get stick. Oh my God, you're, you're nearly 30 years old. You're still amateur. Um, this I often get stick about it, but the one thing I can say, don't get me wrong, there's bad decisions and there's politics and amateur boxing, but definitely not as much as the professionals. Um, I will say, I love, I love, I love what I do. I love, I love amateur boxing. There's not many sports that will take you around the world. You meet fantastic people. Um, I work with fantastic people on a daily basis, um, and a lot I have a lot of people around me with the best intentions for me. I have that a lot. Not for no no financial gain, just because they're passionate about what they do. I feel like in the professionals, who do you trust? Everyone everyone's out to get everyone's out to get a penny off you. Do you know what I mean? Um, so I, I don't I don't look forward to that side of things, but it's going to come. And I feel like you know it's very important who you trust. You have to make the right decisions. So hopefully, you know, I've got enough knowledge now. I'm quite experienced. I know a lot of people in the game got a few meetings to have and this and that but hopefully I avoid them situations you know what I mean um, I'm an easygoing person but I won't be I won't be mugged off and I, I will never be you know dictated to but you know definitely that that's something that I'd like to avoid at all costs you know being in that situation the thing with me in sport is you work your way up and eventually you become number num- number number three if you're number three, you fight number two. If you're number two, you fight number one. That's how I'd like it to go. It don't always go like that because what you got to remember is now it's a business. Um, numbers matter. Do you know what I mean? So I understand that the business side of things, but really and truly, you know, we just want to. I just want to get on with it, and I want to. I want to. I've worked at the high level for a long time. I want to continue to work at a high level. I, I understand I've got to build myself up, but eventually, build myself up. Take the right fights at the right time make the right moves to the right people and, and ultimately enjoy it because that's the reason I do sport. I enjoy it. For the second I stop enjoying boxing, I'll stop. I'll do something else. Simple as that. It looked amazing when you came when you came home after the qualifiers and the whole town was out there. And I suppose that's that's what you're saying with this sport and that's what real sport is when you've got that support. You know, unbelievable support. Like my missus did a fantastic job, you know, in in pulling everyone together. Um there was some new, you know, new faces, people that I didn't know even supported me. Old faces, people that have been there from the get-go. Um, my family, friends, so many people. And uh, even even now, I've just come up from Morrison's and there's randomers will come up to me saying, good luck, you know, we, we're all behind you, we're rooting for you. It's a good feeling and hopefully that's important. You know, when, when, when it does get hard in these fights, and it does get really hard, you do have moments where you get to think, I'll just think, you know what? I've got, I've got a whole nation supporting me, and that, that that might just be that one shot that I find, you know, just from that little bit of inspiration. So, I really do appreciate everyone's um, everyone's support. You know, obviously you have the odd the odd keyboard warrior that 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 aren't support the haters. Do you know what I mean? But I don't I don't care about them. Honestly, I've got no time for them. 
if you've got good energy and you bring that to me, I can, all I can do is thank you and hopefully make you proud when it comes to the fights. Keyboard warrior, Jake Paul. Uh, you know what? Who, who was the one? Who just fought Floyd? Is that Logan? Logan, Logan, I think, yeah. Yeah, I think I, I can tolerate him a little bit more than the uh, the Jake. I think Jake's a bit of a gobshot, to be honest. Um, but the Logan, Logan Paul, you know what? After watching what they did, you know, I've, I've got to rate them both for what they've done. They're entertainers. Not for me, because I didn't know much about them until, obviously, they made everything. But um, they're definitely not fighters, do you know what I mean? Um, people say it's bringing more attention to boxing, but I think it was doing just fine without them, to be honest, do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I know Tony Belly's very and has spoken out against it and is very against it and says that it could be very dangerous potentially for someone's health. Um, and we we've spoken about it, Max and I, for several weeks now, and I, th- I think we're we're both pretty against it to be honest. And um, yeah, we're not fans of it here. This this sport is no joke. I'm telling you now. Uh, like I say, I've been doing it for a long time. I've seen, I've got personal friends that have been injured and and their lives changed. I know people that have had bleeds on the brain. You know, broken jaws, broken cheekbones. I've been through the mill myself. Courts, you know, broke, broken cheekbones, broken hand, broken bones. Thank God and touch wood. You know, I, I've been, um, I've, I've been lucky enough. To, you know, I've still got all my faculties about me. But it takes one wrong punch, and you know, someone's life can change forever. And it's a serious sport. It's not a joke. So these guys, they're training to a, they're training really hard. To be fair, you know, like from what I see, they're taking it quite serious. But this isn't something you can come into and get good at and well not re- not really good competitive in six months or a year this is a, a lifetime of work for a lot of people yeah this this is what we're saying um a few episodes back as, as noah referenced especially my my personal thing uh with the two pauses these guys you know are fighting at cruiserweight and, and heavyweight weights and uh, you got guys at uh, 168 pounds like Canelo, who Jake Paul's obviously calling out, which he's going to for that payday. But you know he's rearranging people's faces, as we saw with Billy Joe Saunders with the broken orbital bone. As you said, it's 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 not a joke here, and uh, it's it's really dangerous. I think the heavier they are as well, and uh, the bigger shots they can take if they actually fight competitive bigger guys. As an example of yourself, you know, I think we'd all know that you would just do an unreal job on them and would really give them the harsh reality of boxing, which I don't think they've can, seen. Can yet. you just 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 imagine like it, it would be, it'd be I I I couldn't personally. I'm not a bully, but you know, them guys. I understand they frustrated a lot of people, so I probably would give one. I would probably would give them a dig or two. But at the same time, it's so dangerous. Honest to God, like. In in boxing, especially if you look at the amateurs, yeah, in the in the uh, the like national stage and stuff like that, you you have matchmaking and uh, you have like levels under tens, under twenties, and you have the open opens and whatnot. But you know you, you have to match someone within the same weight, the same age, and relatively same experience. This is so dangerous. Can you imagine Canelo? Canelo, he's a serious, serious fighter, dangerous person. Um, them, they are lethal weapons. What are on in them gloves on Canelo? So he really, really, these guys, they've got to be careful what they wish for because you can have as much money in the world as you want, but when you're sitting in a wheelchair dribbling and eating your food through a straw, there's nothing fun about it. Do you know what I mean? And it can happen so easily. That's it. Well, we'll, we'll end on, on a positive note, I think, and just ask you what are you most looking forward to to the 2020 Olympics? Oh. There's a lot I'm looking forward to. I think 
definitely testing myself against 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 the best fighters in the world, hundred percent. And then also, you know, Japan is somewhere I, I've always wanted to go. I think I think I'll be very lucky to I'm very lucky to be going. You know, this current climate to go to the other side of the world and and being involved in this amazing spectacle. But um, one thing I'm looking forward to, if I could put on one thing. Hopefully, I can get out to a Dragon Ball Z shop out there. Um, you know, bit, yes. a, bit, a, bit of, a, a bit yes. of anime. If I can find a bit of anime, what a a man. Bit of an anime shop. Man. Um, you know, a little uh, Dragon Ball Z expedition. I'll be, I'll be very happy. So yeah, I can, I can get that. behind that. I can get behind that. It's my, my yeah. favorite anime go to. I was gonna say we we share that common ground because I'm a big fan as well, and uh, I've always run Tokyo. But you can you can live that privilege for me. And also get me a souvenir if you, if you do go to one, Fraser. I'd love that. I'm on it. Bro. I'm on it. Look out, look out <laughs> for the story. I'll tag you. Don't worry. I'll tag you in the story. My guy. Fraser Clark there, head of competing in the 2020 Tokyo Olympic Games. What an honour it was to have him on the podcast. Fraser, thank you so much uh, for joining us. It was a real privilege and you're an inspiration. Thank you again, uh, Max. Let's move on now to the football from ringside to pitch side. And there's only one place to start. It's England. Uh, They play tonight against Scotland. It's a big rivalry and it looks like Scotland actually could be dangerous with Kieran Trippier, uh, Kieran Trippier, Kieran Tierney back, uh, which is massive for them. And Steve Clark's side really needs to beat England, I think, to realistically uh, stand a chance of getting out of the group. They've, of course, lost to the Czech Republic 2-0 uh, in their opening game. Uh, they might have a, a few others back. I think Jack Hendry's coming back and your favourite, Billy Gilmore. So it should be an interesting game. England, we were just fantastic, I thought, against Croatia. Played them off the park. Leonardo Benucci, I saw an interview with him today, uh, the, the Italy legend. He said that England have uh, impressed him the most so far. And that Sterling winner, it's, it's hard to argue with Gareth Southgate's team selection. So what did you make of uh, England-Croatia? And I suppose he's got a dilemma on his hand, Southgate. It's a nice dilemma to have. Who do you play? Where do you play him? Do you put Maguire in for Mings? Do you put Greenish in for Foden? Where does Trippier play? It's it's all one big party at the moment, isn't it? Well, yeah, I think it's a, it's a great headache to have, isn't it, for, for Southgate? And he's got a few of them. It's not just uh, one position. He's got it from the bottom of the pitch to the top, uh, who to play. Obviously, well, when you talk about the top, there's only one man that's definitely starting. That's Harry Kane up there. But, yeah, defensively, uh, he, he's got a lot to choose from. And I see a lot of people, like, hating, obviously. I think with the English man- with the England manager job in general, you're kind of damned if you do and damned if you don't. You can't impress everyone. There's going to be everyone from across the nation wanting the player from their team to start or who thinks they're, they're the next Gareth Southgate and, uh, you know, condemn him for playing who he's played. But look, it, it's worked. Our first game and uh, probably one of our, our biggest challenges in this group stage to call already in, in great fashion, you know. We, uh, although the, the scoreline wasn't too convincing, the way we played, you know, it, it could have been more. Um, and it, it was a great game. We just dominant form from the start to finish. Croatia looked dangerous at the start, getting into our box. But I tell you what, the man, the man of the moment, Calvin Phillips, made sure that only happened rarely. It was he's fantastic. And that was, that was my big question. Obviously, everyone was talking about um, Grealish not starting and... Uh, Trippier starting at left back but I was a bit worried about the inexperience in the holding midfielders with Phillips and Rice and damn did they prove me wrong did did they prove me wrong Phillips had the game of his life didn't he 
they did. And, and I'll, I'll hold my hands up and say I'm guilty that I wasn't a massive fan of Phillips. I didn't, you know, I'd say he's impressed with Leeds and Leeds have impressed themselves, but I wasn't sure he was the perfect fit for England and he should be starting in these European championships. But I spoke to Viv Anderson yesterday. I said, Viv, who was your favorite player? Uh, who has been the standout player straight away? Calvin Phillips. And he has been marvelous for England. Uh, he, he really did run the show against Croatia and, the same goes for Sterling. I, I hold my hands up again and uh, say that I doubted Southgate when he started Sterling. I thought after that Champions League final and the, the, the latter stages of last season, I thought, really, we're opening our Euro, Euros campaign with Sterling. Um, but he, again, you know, st- quality, he, he got the winning goal. And, and when it went in, Wembley roared like, like a lion. It was unbelievable. It, it wasn't. It, it was if there was ninety thousand people there, you wouldn't have known there were twenty-two thousand uh, people in that stadium. And uh, it, it's it's difficult not to celebrate when you're working, but everyone was fist pumping under the table and the goosebumps were going crazy. So yeah, it 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 was just a marvelous moment seeing Sterling do it for England and Southgate really has restored some faith, I think. Yeah, and guys, for you, for you that's listening, this man is going to let us slide and play it off casually. But what a moment for Noah, not just Calvin Phillips, not just Sterling assisting and scoring the goal, but this man got a gig in Wembley reporting. Noah, come on, let's just not talk about the game. Tell me how that felt. You're very kind and, and Max is a charmer. And if you're listening, then uh, it, listen, it, it's dangerous when he starts talking because he's, he's that smooth. Uh, but it, it was incredible to be there. I was actually working for an Austrian company, uh, which is odd in itself. Uh, and I got that gig post before COVID and uh, three people I knew. And the role changed slightly. And I was meant to be going initially to kind of, it's kind of like a host for their guests. And, and it just developed into sending over live updates uh, to these guys in Austria and it was a great gig and it was great to be there and look I wasn't there with the BBC I, I wasn't there with anyone like that but to be out there at Wembley Stadium in the sun it, of course it was 29 degrees as well so I went with a nice jacket and uh, as you can tell if you follow me on Instagram the jacket came off pretty quickly and <laughs> uh, as did almost everything else uh, it was a hot hot day at Wembley but yeah it was it was brilliant to be there and you were in the fan zone Max which is I'd say equally impressive because getting tickets for these fan zones is not easy. So you were in Cardiff as Wales, uh, as Wales beats, I want to say Turkey, 2-0. They, they beat what everyone, uh, who everyone thought would be the, not everyone, but who the people that I get my football content from thought they would be the dark horses of the tournament Turkey. But they looked like, well, they did get played off the park, just like Croatia against England. And uh, yeah, what, what a time to be in a fan zone, obviously. Atmosphere, not, not the same as Wembley, but it, it felt like you could be anywhere. Uh, when when both those goals went in, it was unreal scenes. And yeah, as you say, in the uh, the tickets are hard to come by. I got to thank my boy Reese Roberts for that. If he's listening, uh, big ups to him for for getting me that that ticket. There, we could all go, all six of us. You know, as as you said, in the sun, I, I could uh, enjoy a pint. Unfortunately, <laughs> you can say the same as you had to work. But yeah, I I enjoyed it uh, just the same. It was it was unreal uh, watching. You know, we're obviously England. England are my team, but. Living in Wales, uh, it's, it's great to, to get a get a sense of that Welsh atmosphere. And it, it was insane at, at the depot, uh, which would have been two days ago now when it, you guys are listening to this. It looked, I saw a Max's Snapchat story and it did look insane. I was very jealous. And we'll touch on Wales in a minute. Just, but just going back to England, and it, it's a weird situation we're in because if we, I'll, I'll run you through it. The team that tops Group D will face the runner-up from Group F, which as we know, is either France, Portugal or Germany. And that's 
it, it's a strange tournament because there's 24 teams in it. it it's, it's really peculiar how it, how it will all come about because the team that finishes second in Group D will face the team that finishes second in Group E. And essentially, that's the difference between playing Germany or Portugal uh, because you'll be playing Slo- Slovakia, Sweden or Poland. So England really do want to come second if we want to progress in this tournament. And uh, I suppose it's it's a hard one. You don't want your team to lose games. I think we will batter Scotland and it's a tricky one to be in. It's a weird situation and it takes me back to the World Cup days. Yeah, I'd uh, m- much rather worry about Scotland than have to worry about Portugal, France or Germany yet. But that's that's the uh, beauty of, of knockout stages. You know, that's where the competition comes in. You're going to get these uh, really, really competitive matchups now. But I think the way you played against Croatia, not not going to say we're going to be able to uh, do a job over those three teams like we did against Croatia. But I think it's given me a lot of encouragement and I think given the nation a lot of belief to think that we can go really far here. Well, look, let's keep our feet nice and firm on the ground. I was reading Ashley Williams' column today. So let's talk about Wales. And uh, Williams was saying that it's essentially gone from that nice, calm, stable atmosphere to it's coming home to Cardiff. And for me, watching Wales, it was so strange. It was the contrast to your first, the first game against Switzerland. It was a gripping encounter in Baku as Wales beat Turkey in magnificent fashion on Wednesday night. And uh, the, the goal was created by Gareth Bale. We, we'll touch on Bale in a minute and we won't touch on that missed penalty because I, I don't think we need to. He was so fantastic, Bale. And uh, what, what do you think, Max? Because against Switzerland, you look passive, disjointed. You lacked any kind of flair. And was it just that Turkey have disappointed in this tournament? They were meant to be the underdogs? Hey, bro, you're forgetting I'm English, man. <laughs> I, I say, I say, Wales, yeah, no, they look great, and we will sing their praises. But um, you, you guys listening, as as, as Noah says, you, it's not me. I'll, I'll just say that now, a little disclaimer. I'll disassociate sorry, myself. Sorry, like that. <laughs> but yeah, no, they did look fantastic. Um, and and I was a bit worried, like seeing how they did against Switzerland. I thought, yeah, it's like, were, were, do they just have an off day, and and Switzerland as well, or you know, it, it takes other games further on in the tournament and some more, you know, in the group stages for you to really kind of understand and and see what their form was. It's really hard to make big takeaways in the first game. So that second game said it all. Um, As I said, against uh, a team that people thought could really go far here in the Euros, um, they just never looked in it with a chance. And as you said, Bale with a a fantastic game, apart from that penalty, uh, he he led the way for the Welsh to really go through and and take it by the scruff of the neck and finish with a 2-0 victory. That could have been more, much more than 2 now. Yeah, it, I'll reiterate, it's not you. So Wales is not Max. Ma- it's the accent that throws you off a little bit, but <laughs> Max is, is as English as they come, I promise you. Um, so on that, we'll go to England, Scotland. Score prediction, and how do you think it's going to go down? I see, uh, you know, I'm going to be that confident, especially in the variety we have in defence. Um, I know a lot of people like to ridicule Southgate's choice in defence as they do in midfield. I think that's just natural at this point. Uh, but I can see us keeping a clean sheet. So I just think it's it's a matter of uh, how much we do do an attack. And I think it's going to be another one of those games where, you know, we don't get trigger happy with it. We just, you know, build up a nice lead and, and see that out. So I'm going to go with 2-0, uh, with, with 2-0 England. A lot of possession, uh, a few chances, but chances that get taken when they come. Yeah, I think a sensible prediction. I, I think... I. Actually, I thought Scotland were going to were going to be more dangerous than they were against the Czech Republic. But watching that performance and one of the goals from uh, Schick is it? Well, what a goal it was! A, a goal of the tournament already. It had to be against Scotland, which uh, did make it even better. I'm going to go England. 
I will go England three, Scotland one. Let's see how it plays out. It's a big game in Wales. Uh, I know you're from Wales, but you're not Welsh. Uh, they play Italy, who I know you think could be one of the favourites. And I'd agree with you there with Italy. They are so strong and the quality they got, they've got is is so impressive. How do you think that's going to go down, Italy, Wales? That's, that's you know, it, I've seen, seen Wales uh, so happy, you know, seeing Cardiff uh with with their limbs up yesterday it's it hurts to say that uh Italy I think they are just gonna gonna walk through them as as well as they played I think you know they can put up a fight for for a bit um but as you as we said with the bail miss and uh and I said you know it could have been more but it wasn't more against Turkey because they didn't take their chances and I think that in itself is what's going to come back to bite them because you have to against Italy. The way they're playing football right now, they're taking every chance they got, as you can see by their two scorelines already. So they're going to come riding off the back of those two very dominant wins, looking to just do the same against Wales. So it's up to them to put their foot down and say, hey, we're not getting walked over, but I don't, I can't see them stopping it. And I think Italy are going to go through them. Maybe, maybe with a tighter score, but I think Italy are definitely claiming this one. Yeah, Italy certainly a favourite to win the European Championships uh, this time around. And uh, from a favourite to win it to a fan favourite and uh, a man who is just unbelievable and what he's been through this last week, I can't even imagine. Uh, Christian Eriksen and and we all all were praying for him and our thoughts are with him. And I've I've got to say, I said to you earlier, I came back from Wembley in the heat and I, I was on cloud nine and I'd been at, I'd been watching Croatia the day before and I came back and I was really excited and you know, I wanted to, to just enjoy the day. And I came back and I, I turned on uh, Denmark versus Finland and I, I've never been so emotionally distressed watching football. It, it was incredibly upsetting, uh, very, very sad to, to watch a man almost lose his life on a football pitch. And we spoke to Fraser Clark and he said the same about boxing. It's not a sport to be messed around with. And whilst football, I don't... It's not in the same bracket. Any elite sport has its dangers. And it was so sad watching Christian Eriksen go down the way he did. And, you know, there were criticism over the cameras and whether whether they should have stayed on, which obviously they shouldn't have done. And for me, Max, it, it was the toughest thing I've ever experienced watching football. Yeah, I mean, it was it was horrible to, uh, to, to hear about. I wasn't watching the game and... I think that I kind of done myself a favor in doing that because I would have been as, as distressed as, as you were. And I remember talking to you and uh, seeing, seeing how worried you were. And, uh, you know, the whole nation was, I think every uh, nation is, you can have your differences in, in who you support, but when something that tragic happens, everyone uh, comes together. And, and that's in a sense, what's kind of beautiful about football in, in terms of what wasn't, uh, what was far from, a beautiful situation, but it's just amazing now to see Ericsson uh, fully recovered. It was, mm. it was horrible to uh, I watched I watched videos back um, just to just gain some context on on what had happened because I had, I had no idea what you what he had suffered from and how it happened. Um, but it was just great, as I said, touching on the unity as well, seeing the unity of the Denmark players all coming together and and making it as a as less tragic as a moment for everyone else um, as possible. So big ups to them. Uh, they, they did a fantastic job uh, in, in doing that and trying to prevent such selves and uh, yeah, full, full respect and, and prayers up to, to Ericsson who now I can, uh, well, we can both, we can all wish uh, has, has a speedy recovery and, and gets back to his full health very soon. 
Absolutely. And, you know, like, like you said, the unity was just one of the most amazing things to see. And I, I'm, not, I, I'm not an overly religious guy, but I'd like to think that the world coming together and praying for him uh, played some part in, in his recovery. And thank God he was actually able to talk to the team. And whether that game should have gone ahead, I, I think it's pretty obvious. I put it on social media and, and so it's just common sense for me. I was amazed that it did. I think the original reports were that the players were happy to. I think reports have since come out saying that perhaps they didn't have much of a choice in the matter. And, and you saw that in, in the penalty, Casper uh, Schmeichel, so, sorry, yeah, you saw that in, in the Denmark penalty, which was missed in the, Kas- and the goal that Kasper Schmeichel let in. He would never have ever have let that in uh, on a normal day. So that game should never have gone ahead, in my opinion. Um, but from every bad thing comes a good thing. And hopefully now this sparks having defibs in every ground in the country, from non-league grounds to the Premier League. And there's this thing called Justin's Law. So Justin Edinburgh, who was uh, the manager of Leighton Orient, who died a, c- a couple of years ago, incredibly sadly, of a cardiac arrest he was only a young guy uh, his son Justin his son Charlie sorry is is trying to create this law to make it mandatory for all health and sports facilities in the UK to be equipped uh, with a defib and I think it's just use the Super League money for it all the fines it's 22 million quid from six clubs use it use it for that yeah I mean there's there's enough money to go uh, in, in football to go around isn't there and that's uh, only only a tiny expense on on the millions that uh, is in the sport so it's it's a tiny expense but it will do all the difference as, as you'd see you know um it, it would do do the whole whole world of difference if uh, that could have been accessed in in the Ericsson incident so hopefully you know we see less of them um there's there's no there's no predicting uh, for it to happen but it's just more uh, a bit more peace of mind to know that when players do step on the pitch and God forbid that anything like that ever happens again. But D- defibs are there, and uh, and you know stadiums are, are well equipped to deal with it. If uh, touch wood, it doesn't. But if any other incident like that happens again, yeah, thank God we had that. And I, I can't imagine what someone like Fabrice Mwamba must have been going through watching it live, and and Charlie Edinburgh and, and people that have been affected by it before. And in a way, I think it sounds an awful thing to say, but having Mwamba, Mwamba having. Been through that, it sparked something, and thank God there were defibs on the side of the pitch due to that incident, however many years ago that was. And when something like that happens, it puts everything into perspective. And I think football just becomes a game, and all of a sudden, it's this is someone's life. And whilst Denmark lost that game, life won. And I think that was a really poignant quote from one of the newspapers. Uh, Christian Eriksen will be fitted with a heart starting device. The Danish doctor says that the implantable cardioverter defib is necessary now due to the rhythm disturbances so yeah i'll echo what max said we wish him all the best and a speedy recovery and uh from something desperately sad and very serious to a more light-hearted topic <laughs> engulfing the world of football this week uh, two words the first is coca and the second cola uh, and i'll add cristiano ronaldo to that sentence he removed two bottles of Coke. One was diet, one was full fat, both glass bottles to uh, give you a bit of description. And it was a press conference. I think it was prior to uh, Portugal's first game uh, at the Euros. And it, it coincided with Coca-Cola losing £4 billion uh, in share prices. The, the drinks company went down from £442 billion to £238 billion. And uh, Ronaldo, with his almost 300 million Instagram followers, certainly had something to do with that. 
that well, that's just the Ronaldo effect, isn't it? When you have a global superstar throwing your your franchise, your brand out the camera, that's what happens to it. Uh, but but there's only one man in football, maybe two men if you want to include Messi. But you know that these these top guys have that influence, and it's kind of is kind of alarming to see. You know, he he, he could do that to to any mm. any brand, and and that that's what it does to them. He he could probably bankrupt one if, if he felt like obviously not not with the intention of. But you know, I, I like the um, message that he stood behind. It is yeah. is it's funny how you know the effect that he had on. Uh, the Coca-Cola share prices and whatnot, but you know what he actually stood for there. I think is is very good, you know, and and I think people oversee that just because of uh just because of what happened to Coca-Cola afterwards. But you know he's 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 a role model, and that was a very uh characteristically role model of him to get that out of the way and say, look, this is you know we're playing a a game that encourages good health. So I'm gonna I'm gonna see that all the way through to this press conference and still encourage good health. There's no no point in walking off the pitch because that's not when your health stops, you know. Uh, and I, th- I think that can coincide nicely with the with the Ericsson incident. You know, this you know we 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 live in all the time, not just when we're playing sports. So to to get your water and you stay hydrated, especially when it's 29 degrees in Wembley, you know that's that's when it's important to be drinking some water and not Coca Cola. So big ups to Ronaldo for saying that. I, I I like my fizzy drinks too, but um I you know he had a he had a really good uh, really healthy message, I guess you could call it behind that. See, if you're listening to the podcast for the first time, Max often plays good cop and I will play devil's advocate with bad cop. And that's a very, that's a very kind approach, Max. I'm not sure I I will be that kind with him. I've got to say, for me, it's slightly hypocritical. He's been in Coca-Cola adverts before. He's uh, been the star of KFC's branding. At the moment, he represents a poker company. So I don't think he's this this superhero good guy that everyone thinks he is and I also think it's wrong you've got these sponsors who pay millions and millions of pounds to sponsor the events I think there are six sponsors so that's how exclusive this this group is of of companies that want to get their brand and message out to the world and to move to move a product that's been placed there to do just that for me it's like who do you think you are as much as I think the message, and I, I agree with you, the message is important. I always tell my brother to drink water instead of fizzy drinks. You know, I understand the message and I understand when Paul Pogba uh, removes a bottle of beer because it goes against his religion as a Muslim. But for me, it, it, it's bordering on arrogance and, and a who do you think you are attitude. Well, yeah, I, I understand it. What you say with, uh, you know, him being the face of, of KFC and uh, other Coca-Cola adverts, that's fair enough. You know, you can't argue against that when he said that. Hypocritical of him, fair enough. But when you say he thinks that he's the best footballer in the world, and in my opinion, he is, and he's a man who can, uh, as as we said, he can shift m- millions and billions of values in uh in, in a company just by shifting it out of the camera view. So, okay, maybe he's not he's not fully within his right to do it, but I think when you're Ronaldo, you can kind of get away with it. So I think, you know, and, and he has. So although there's a, there's a few, you know, you might see it as an inexcusable, but the way it went down, people loved it. So where I think he, I think he can get away with it being a Cristiano Ronaldo. If you saw, you know, if you saw any other guys doing it, it's it's a lot more questionable, isn't it? But I I think he could get away with it. You know, it's it's the same as if uh if Canelo was to do it at a press conference yeah. in boxing. Uh, it's the face of the sport. It's hard to argue against him. <laughs> well, what people yeah, what people haven't touched on yet is that it, it's 
amazing branding and promotion for Cristiano Ronaldo. It's the best self-promotion you can get everyone now. Forget Coca-Cola. Everyone's talking about Ronaldo. So it was, I think it was a clever move on his part. For Coca-Cola, it's free advertisement. Uh, it's also massively affected their, their shares and stocks. I can't imagine they're too happy either. Uh, but listen, it's one of these things that it, it comes with every tournament. It comes with every major tournament. You're always going to get some trivial story just like this one. And I, I thought having just done a PR module, Max, it, it's, it was an interesting one to comb over. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, we've seen the, uh, the effects and, and we've learned about the past couple in the past couple of months that's exactly what we've learned about um how much it affects these competitions and these major tournaments to include the branding of not just the players like Ronaldo's brand but uh the Coca-Cola's and all the other sponsors that go with it so it's a it's a great one not just for people who study public relations but obviously for all you guys back at home to either sit back and laugh at or sit forward and uh and blame if you know her (laughs) Well, from Coca-Cola, the, the beautiful brown liquid of Coca-Cola to the, the beautiful brown liquid of the River Mersey, let's talk Liverpool and go on to your team and uh, Norwich City on the first day of the season. bit predictable, I think. I think it was, if someone said to me, who are Norwich going to play on the first game of the season? I would have said uh, Man City, Liverpool or Chelsea. It's always, it always seems to be the way uh, that the team that's won the championship comes up and uh, starts off against a big boy. What do you make of that opening fixture? Yeah, it is a bit of a pattern. Obviously, we had uh, leads at the start of last season as well. But I'll tell you what, what 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 a fun game that was. I remember, well, for the neutral, let's say, because it uh, had me a bit worried at the start. But it was, a, it was a fun game and it showed everything that Leeds are about. So I think Norwich have a great opportunity to give, uh, I think everyone in the Prem already knows what they're about. But this season, you know, new season, um, better developed players you know Buendia is a baller and everyone's talking about him coming up to the Prem as well as uh, the other players that Norwich have so I think it's you know it, it should be like work for, for us I'm, I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to blame the matchmaking or, or be annoyed at that because I'd love to to start off with a nice three points and I think have, uh, having Norwich at the start will get us that so that's great but yeah I think um, not just for us it, it gives Norwich a good opportunity to to show the whole Prem what they're made of this season as well. Yeah, it should be a cracker. Like you say, I think it will be exactly like Leeds-Liverpool. And I've got to say, I think Liverpool will completely dominate that game. Norwich, unless they spend big money and you touched on Buendia there, they've actually lost Buendia. He's gone to Villa. So their star man has gone. So I think they're, they're really going to struggle in the Premier League. Um, so listen, let's see. Let's see how Norwich get on. I wish them the best of luck. They're a historical club and they've got a massive history and background uh, We'll see how they get on. And Chelsea, uh, my team, not much to say. They've got Crystal Palace on the opening day. I think the last time, I don't know if it was on the opening day, it might have been Chelsea Crystal Palace when Frank De Boer was in charge and we beat them like 4-0. I can't really remember. Uh, but doesn't sound like the most exciting fixture. Watford, on the other hand, have Villa against Buendia. So let's see how my local boys uh, get on. And that rounds off the podcast really nicely. As always, a massive thank you uh, to our guest, Fraser Clark. Thanks for coming on, Fraser. You're an absolute star and we wish you all the very best in Tokyo. You know where to listen back. It's on Spotify, all of the major streaming platforms. You know what to do. Uh, Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Stay safe, enjoy the football, and we'll see you next week.